Sarah and I, my wife Sarah and I, have been reminiscing a lot over this last week since our dog Jewel died. Jewel was a great dog, but she also was a dog of mischief. I think I've mentioned that before. When our sons were growing up, it was not an infrequent occasion when Jewel would get into something of theirs and chew it up a bit, or more than a bit. I can remember one time when uh, Jewel had chewed into pieces of a treasure map. I think Blaine, when he was little, had put together. And this was a cause of great concern. Uh, I was only able to appease Blaine, only, only able to calm him down when I told him or reminded him that often treasure maps were found in bits and pieces. And like real treasure hunters, we could put this map back together and see where it might lead us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our lives were as easily mended? But unfortunately, we often look at our pasts, those bits and pieces of our experience which have come to make us who we are, and it's hard not to look beyond it all to see how we might put them together and move forward in a new way, perhaps in a way that we didn't originally intend. How easy it is for us to focus so much on the pieces of our past, scattered as they might be, crumpled as they might be, maybe chewed up pieces of our past. Focus on those and fail to see the possibilities that God puts before us. This is what God seems to be concerned about in the words that Kit read from Isaiah from that 43rd chapter. God is about to do a new thing. It is springing forth, and God wants to know back then, and God wants to know of you. Do you perceive it? Isaiah tells us for God, don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. Tells us to let the past be the past. Now by saying this, it's, he's not saying the past shouldn't be remembered that it shouldn't be celebrated, that we shouldn't learn from the past. But how do we, as people of God, look forward to what might be rather than just so often looking back to what has been? This is especially true at those times when we look at the pieces of our life after some struggle or some crisis or some heartache, some mistake, some challenge that we've caused ourselves or others have placed in our life. It's only through faith that we can gain the strength we need to be able to release that grip that the past has on us and take hold of that future that God opens us up for us. After these experiences in our life, our doubts tell us, don't try again. But faith tells us, get on with it. Go for it. Live new life. The new life I am offering you today 
Don't dwell in that past, in those bits and pieces that's even crumbled and torn up. I have put a new creation before you. While our past try to engulf us, hold us back, we strain forward to have faith so that we may have ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's such wonderful imagery that Isaiah places before us and that God offers to us. Think of what that means for you, living life, believing there is a way out when you're lost. Living a life, believing that there is hope when you feel all dried up. There is a river in the deserts of our past. There is a way in the wildernesses of our past. If God reigns in your life, if you have faith that God has formed you, that God has made you who you are, then know that you are called to strain forward even as you learn and grow from both the good and the bad in your past. Christ calls us to giving all of ourselves, pouring ourselves out into the relationships that we are blessed with in our life today. This is the point of a book I read a while ago by an author named Margaret Wheatley. She wrote a book called Leadership and the New Science. In this book, it compares new discoveries in quantum physics to the way, ways that organizations are managed or the ways organizations should be managed. New scientific discoveries in quantum physics that have showed how everything is infinitely more connected than anyone ever believed before. That nothing exists independent of relationships. Wheatley's conclusion confirms really what God is trying to get across to us from the beginning that what is most important is that we believe and put our faith in the way that we are connected to each other. And for us, that we believe and put our faith in the way that we are connected to God. No matter how difficult our past, no matter how crumpled up it might feel, no matter how fearful our future might seem, we can know that we are God's people and we can have the courage to act as such no matter what we might face as we strain forward. We have something that holds us much better than the fuzzy friend I showed to the children this morning. But you need a friend. And what a friend we do have in Jesus, in God's love incarnate, not long ago in a place that seems foreign to us, but as close as your favorite stuffed animal that you grabbed hold of when you needed, when you were a child, when you needed to feel okay. That stuffed animal couldn't hug you back, but you felt that warmth and that closeness. 
You have a God that holds on to you in the midst of the challenges and difficulties, in the midst of the mistakes and heartaches and headaches of your past. You have the ability to move forward into new life. This is what the disciples struggled with in our gospel lesson from John this morning in that 12th chapter. They have no desire to leave the past because the future can seem awfully terrifying. And this future that Jesus talked about, about death on the cross, was something they didn't want to think about, they didn't want to hear about. The future can be terrifying for us for all sorts of reasons, including all the personal fears we have for ourselves. But in this instance, in our gospel lesson, Mary confronts that future. Mary acknowledges the future that's before them all through anointing Jesus, in a sense, symbolically preparing him for the death which awaited him. And it was too much for the disciples. Judas gets the blame in this gospel lesson, but in the other gospels it's made clear that all the disciples are concerned about what's going on in this moment. The disciples don't want to think about what Mary is symbolically representing in this moment. In what actually foreshadows Jesus washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper, Mary makes this extremely intimate gesture of expressing her love with her most precious possession of a costly perfume and and then of drying Jesus' feet with her hair, her own hair. Fittingly, a woman who many in early church would have seen as having no claim on discipleship shows the disciples how to be a disciple by modeling what Jesus would do for them in just a little bit of time. An unexpected person shows what it means to live under the reign of God in the present And that would continue even after Jesus' life for Mary into the future. And it pours out of her, not only through that perfume that she pours, but in that love that she pours from her in the very act itself. She connects with Jesus in the moment, gives the best she has to give in this selfless act of love. And Jesus isn't saying in this passage, forget the poor. He's actually criticizing the cheap talk about the poor the disciples have and affirms Mary in this moment, in Mary's desire to connect with, be in relationship with, care for the needs of a person that is right before her in that moment. In Jesus, looking toward his death, toward his suffering, Mary is looking to that future, knowing that God holds on to her, wanting to express that belief in this act of love, selfless love to Jesus, so that even Jesus would know that he is intimately connected to not only her, but to all of humanity. not only in the present, but in the future. 
Maybe you're like me. I know that I love um, to look at old photos or collages. I would have said slides, but they're hard to get out now and watch. But I used to like when we used to go visit my mom to watch old slides. But at some t- at points, uh, seeing those photos, as you probably realize yourself, there's always this feeling of sadness. There's also a feeling of laughter because you see the big hair and the bell bottoms and things like that. But there's this sense of sadness because there are all these pictures of loved ones who are not with us anymore, of times gone by, of those good old days that everyone talks about. The reality, though, is that those loved ones who are gone, who are in those photos, just like our loving God, would never want us to live in the past, to be imprisoned by it, to be enslaved to it, to be even suffocated by it. They would want us to build on those good old days by making good new days, by being in relationship in the ways that they were in relationship with us, by sharing love selflessly, by helping others just like they helped us know that they are a sacred and beautiful child of God. To let others know just like they let us know that even when we made mistakes, we got a hug. We were made whole in our brokenness. And this is the model that Jesus gives to us. Faith that leads us to be willing to release the past in favor of a radical openness to the future. Not to forget the past, but to allow it to open you up to a future that God holds for you. God puts so many possibilities for service and for love before us as individuals and as a, as a church, but again, we so often get consumed by uh, failures or even sometimes we get consumed by successes in the past. Or sometimes, again, we are so filled with fears of, the, of our future that we're not able to express that love that has been expressed to us. God says to you today, God says to us today, let go. Open yourself up to that new life that God places before you. God has poured out God's love to us in Jesus. It's what communion is all about. We're going to share in communion in a few moments. It is Jesus inviting us to look to the future where the love of God literally poured into us. So that our brokenness can be healed. So that our past can be left behind so that we might feel the reign of God alive in us and alive through us so that others out there in this broken world might know as well that reign of God, that living God, that hope, that love, that peace, that justice, 
that is the God we know, do you perceive it? Ways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That's meant for you, and that's meant for everyone. God is about to do a new thing. Do you perceive it? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you on this morning and every morning of our lives, every day of our lives, with all of our baggage, some we carry proudly, some seem to weigh heavily in our lives. Gracious and loving God, for anyone here who feels especially held up by their past, who feel a, a brokenness that's hard to make whole again, allow them on this day to know you have made a way for them. that you have poured out your love for them. That the gospel truth is true for them. For all of us as we gather here this morning, dear God, help us to take those bits and pieces of our experience Let us resonate with the love that we've been shared with and let it pour out from us in the way that Mary poured out her love to you, in the way that you have poured out your love to us. Let us be healed. Let us be whole. Let us feel the living God alive for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We join now together.